presented by The Hockey Shop. Source for Sports Surrey, thehockeyshop.com. This is In Goal Radio, the podcast on episode 55, an all-female episode, which includes three female goaltenders from the United States and Canada at very different portions of their career. It is fascinating, it's informative, it's educational, it's charismatic, and it is a whole lot of fun. I'm Darren Millard, joining by the co-founders of Ingle Magazine, David Hutchison and Kevin Woodley. And Woody, uh, I want to bring you in first because you carried the, the mail on this one, doing the three interviews with Katie Burt and Renee Debian and Brianne McLaughlin. And the interviews were each in their own way, very informative. But also, uh, goaltenders that are at uh, various stages of their careers in, in the sport of hockey and also look at it very individually. Yeah, just uh, on each side of the equation, three totally different styles, three totally unique in, in terms of strengths, the way they approach the game, the way they move, the way they play the game, uh, both with the three on the American side and with the three on the Canadian. Of course, I'm I'm covering the rivalry series a little bit for us at Ingle and also NHL.com between Team USA and Team Canada. And it's been fascinating to watch uh, and talk to the goalie coaches. Obviously, uh, Brianne McLaughlin-Biddle, uh, the goalie coach who, and, and former two-time Olympian um, and now the goalie coach for for the the Team USA here in this series. And we didn't we didn't record the interview for the podcast, but Brad Kirkwood from Top Prospects Goaltending in Calgary, who works with um, the Canadian goaltenders, and just talking to them and watching them in practice um, for the last couple of days, just just totally unique in their approaches, their technique. Everything is like there are some commonalities, but there's more differences than there there are similarities between the way these three goaltenders on each team play the game. It's been fascinating to watch and. Really enjoyed talking to Brianne about her transformation from playing to coaching and and how she works with those different styles. And Renee Debian is coming off her appearance at the NHL All-Star Weekend. Katie Burt uh, is part of Team USA in this rivalry series. And Brianne McLaughlin is coaching uh, for Team USA. You had a chance to listen to the three conversations, Hutch. Uh, uh, one thing in particular that uh, just as a, as a teaser or something that uh, that jumps out at you uh, from these uh, these discussions that Woody was able to nail down? I think first off, we're listening to three goaltenders. It's not the fact that they're female. It's that they're high-level elite goaltenders, and they have something to add for all of us to listen to, although it's, uh, it's certainly refreshing that we're finally able to get the female voice onto the show. Um, I think we've only had a couple of female guests so far, and, and it's great that we're, we're able to add them in. Um, so, but goaltenders all, and, and that's the primary thing I took away from it, that they're dealing with the very same things, um, that all, all the men are, are dealing with as well. Um, and yet, and yet I think something that we noticed in there was that there's a a bit more of an ability to have fun. You know, I think in each of them, we, we heard a little bit about being lighthearted, about being relaxed in in ways that brilliant observation in in ways that I think some of the guys, uh, can't get away with unless their name is flurry. Um, and it's really great to see them enjoying the game. And I hope some of the guys out there, some of the coaches listening will, will realize it's possible to succeed at uh, an elite level and still enjoy what you're doing. Uh, these conversations are a lot of fun. We also have our gear segment this week uh, brought to you by The Hockey Shop, thehockeyshop.com, source for sports, Surrey, dealing with the uh, optic two chest and arm. 
Uh, Woody is uh, going to chat with Cam about that. But uh, having the rivalry series in, in the backyard of uh, the hockey shop is, uh, is also uh, a, a nice little uh, parlay that we can put together. Yeah, it's, uh, you know, I, actually, I wish they had a little more time here in Vancouver. I'd send them all over there. Um, one right. of the downsides, I think, for women's hockey right now, and I've, I've kind of noticed this, is obviously there's a lot of talk about the pro leagues and the lack of, there's the NWHL, but then a lot of players participating in the professional uh, professional women's hockey players association sort of barnstorming tour. And a lot of the players in that are part of this series here. I've noticed some gear that they've been wearing for a while. Um, some of the girls have fresh gear. Some of the girls are still wearing gear from more than a year ago. So some of them could use a fresh up. I should have sent them over to the hockey shop source for sports, the hockey shop.com. Um, I'm just kidding that they don't have to shop for gear. Gear comes to them. But if you're shopping for gear, if the gear doesn't come to you, if you need advice on what gear to buy, what gear is going to suit your game, what gear is going to suit your budget, and that balance between the two, what can I afford, what do I actually need for my level of play, then the guys you should talk to are at the Hockey Shop Source of Sports, thehockeyshop.com. Cam and his staff, they all play the position, they know the position, they have a passion for the position. Wouldn't be surprised if we see some of them at the game here tonight at Rogers Arena. Um, watching these women play the position at the highest level. Um, that's just who they are. They're goaltenders right down to the heart. And that's why I shop there. Not just because of the great selection, not just because it's like goalie heaven walking in there, but because the staff understands and has that same passion for the position that we do here at InGoal, that you, everyone listening has. Um, and it comes through in their sales and in their service uh, and in the way they help you get the gear that's going to make you play better. So the Hockey Shop Source for Sports, thehockeyshop.com. Uh, we'll check it out with Cam. He's going to walk us this week through. Um, we've seen Brian's offer custom pants and custom chest protectors. Cam's going to walk us through that ordering process. Obviously, you go to their customizer, but how to get the best service, it's by ordering through Cam and his crew at the hockey shop or thehockeyshop.com. And that'll be our gear segment later on in the show. And it doesn't matter what level of goaltending you are playing, then you can find uh, your style of equipment to your level of equipment at the hockey shop, thehockeyshop.com. Whether you're Katie Burt uh, playing in the rivalry series and Renee Debian, who suited up at the NHL All-Star Weekend for Team Canada and is part of the rivalry series, an Olympian, or Brianne McLaughlin, who went through USA's uh, hockey program, a 2014 silver medalist and is now coaching Team USA. The three interviews uh, are wonderful, each in their own right. But we start off with Brianne, who is an American Ninja Warrior uh, participant. We don't talk to her about that TV appearance, but uh, focus on the goaltending side of things. And this is a, a perfect interview for uh, an episode that can serve as an ambassadorship to women's hockey, because it is everything that you want out of the game. It is uh, some technical sides of uh, the position, the evolution of the position, grinding it out uh, through the course of the position and having a whole lot of fun. Count how many times Woody and Brianne laugh during the course of this conversation and just, just enjoy uh, a discussion about hockey and two goaltenders hanging out. That's the best way you can describe it. It's Brianne McLaughlin on In Goal Radio, the podcast presented by Source for Sports, the hockey shop, thehockeyshop.com. All right, so we're, we're ahead of game four of the Canada-USA Rivalry Series. We've got a chance, uh, a real pleasure to sit down with Brianne McLaughlin-Biddle, now the goaltending coach for Team USA. Um, 
two-time two-time Olympian. Is this your first time? Actually, I meant to ask you: Is this your first time back in Vancouver it since is. the 2010 Games? Back to the scene. Now, I don't know. You've only been in town a couple hours. Have you had a chance to see just how much has changed? Like from the Olympic Village, now it's all entirely developed. And yeah, we came straight from the ferry from Victoria, and then straight here. So I haven't been able to see anything yet. It, it, you will be amazed at how different it is from what it was. You know, even 10 years ago, it's just entirely all that area is developed. But I digress. That's what I've heard. Tell me about... look through all the snow first. Yes. We welcomed you back <laughs> with snow. Of course, in 2010 during the Olympics, we couldn't get any snow for like right. the events or on the mountains. But now you come back 10 years later, mm-hmm. hoping to enjoy the town and all we give you is snow. So my apologies in advance for that. Um, how are you enjoying this role? Is your first year with the national team, but you've been coaching since retiring in 2017. Mm -hmm. Let's just start there with, let's start with the national team and how you see that role, how that role sort of evolved for you. Um, Goaltending, being a goaltending coach is everything from, you know, part-time psychologist to technical. (laughs) How do you see the mix of all of it? Um, I actually started back with the team. Um, I've kind of popped in here and there for like the development stuff in the summer. And then, um, the last two years at just our goalie, like our national goalie camp. Um, so Steve Thompson was with the team last year and then has recently moved over to ADM and asked if I would step in. So it's been a little bit of an adjustment. You know, I feel like I've got my old lifestyle back of living your life one month at a time and <laughs> reorganizing everything. Um, but it's been fun. You know, it's, it's definitely a different experience being on the coaching side rather than the player side. What do you find yourself talking to them most about it is the experience side of having been at Olympics, been on this stage, been in rivalry games against Canada. How much of it is technical and technique and tactics and some of those elements? Uh, It depends what goalie you're talking to. You know, Alex Cavallini now, she's been around for a while and she's played more games than I did, to be honest. So (laughs) I think with her, it's just adjusting the little things that she needs to adjust. Uh, Last series, we had Aaron Frankel, who was like brand new to the team. It was her first time with the national team and she got a game. So that would be more, you know, calming the nerves, pumping her up and, you know, just kind of honing her in a little bit to be successful in the game. Okay. Now we see, we hear calm the nerves a lot, but I haven't heard pump them up very much from a, from the goaltending coach side of things. Mm-hmm. Do you have situations, whether it's with this team or where, where you feel like you got to get them going a little bit? Can, can they actually have not enough of a pulse going into a big game? Is that possible for a goalie? Maybe. I learned, I've been coaching in college hockey as well. I'm um, currently with the uh, Robert Morris men's team. Uh, But previously I was working with the women's team and we had a situation where we had a goalie that was just, I thought was super talented, but was just beaten down, beaten down, beaten down. And my first month on the team, it was basically like, you're awesome. Get out there. (laughs) And as that confidence rose, she actually ended up being female athlete of the year in Pittsburgh. And um, conference, you know, first team and all whatever. So, um, I think I learned with that, that as much of the game is technical and being prepared, a lot of it is just knowing that you can do it and settling in, in those big moments. Confidence. Right? Mm, confidence. I mean, it's, yep. it's such an easy word to say. And for goaltenders, it's so hard sometimes to find and to hold on to. Were there any things in your career that allowed you, like, did you have, whether it was routines or things you did to build that confidence to feel good about your game going into a a big tournament or a big game in college or in the NWHL? Or is it something that you just manufactured internally? Like, 
between the ears as much as doing something yeah. between the pipes. It's a fine line for everyone, right? right? And everybody's so different. I think for me as a player, um, it's just the older I got and the more experience and you get those big games and you see what works, what didn't, you know, you try something new and it's like, I'm not doing that ever. <laughs> that got didn't an work. example for us? <laughs> uh, I don't know. I think for me, if I was having fun and I was loose, that's what um, made me the most successful, but it wasn't what every coach wanted. So I had a couple coaches of like, you need to take this more seriously and you need to be sharper. And it would be just absolute colossal disaster when I got in the net. So when I had the coaches that were like, you know what, you do you, <laughs> you know, do your thing, get out there dancing. Um, those were always when I came up the biggest. Is that something that you employ as a coach now to recognize that not everybody, just because somebody is having fun doesn't mean they're not taking it seriously? Yeah. And I think that's probably more on the women's side. I haven't seen it more on the men's. Uh, we had a coach come over from the men's side to the women and Robert Morris, and he came in to talk to us in between periods. And everybody's like, rock, paper, scissors, dancing. And he's like, I cannot take this. <laughs> But that's just, I don't know, maybe the only difference that I've seen gender-wise is um, maybe not so much at this level. Like, they get mad and they're super competitive, but maybe in the college level it's a little bit more, you know, you've got the national team players and then you've got the college players. What about working at the college level as a coach, as a goaltending coach? With a, What's different as a coach on the men's side versus the women's side, working with goalies? Um, I honestly, I don't know if I've noticed much um, gender wise, uh, I think the, um, this might be, this might be mean, but the, the weird goalies, I'm going to point that more towards the boys than the, than the girls, that stereotype. In terms of that stereotype quite often is like a little like routine, yeah, little the routines idiosyncrasies. And, yeah. We had one that like would not speak to anybody on game days. Oh, he was like, as a media guy, signing, those are not my favorite signing words to us. And I was like, no, I can't. <laughs> <laughs> I had my little, you know, ball. I had a little lacrosse ball and I'd toss it against the wall. I had that and that's about it. Now I want to go back a little bit. Like what made you fall in love with the position? We get so many answers, uh, talking to different people from different sides of the game, whether it's coaches who played coaches, who didn't. like what made you fall in love what, with the position from an early age? I think in the beginning it was just, I have an older brother. I think I have a pretty standard female goalie answers. My hey, it's a standard. I think I can't remember. We did the math on it. It was something like two thirds of the NHL too started. Really? Because of an older brother, yeah. So yep. it's not a gender-specific thing. Mm -hmm. The older brother and throw the younger sibling in net is a yeah. popular answer to this. You can play with us if you play goalie and don't tell mom if you get hurt. That was, that was the, the rules. <laughs> uh, so yeah, that's what I started. My brother and I played a bunch of sports. We played them a lot together, but hockey seemed to be both of our favorites. And it was something that, you know, I looked up to him and I got to hang out with him if I did that. So that was initial. And then as I got older you learn that the game's on you. So you're either the hero or you're, you know, it's your fault. Um, but and I love you, that. You like that? Okay. Yeah, I loved it. I love my, probably my best games were the games where you're in net and everybody's calling you a sieve and, you know, blaming on you and booing you. And I think I thrived on that and it, that's what made it fun. I was going to say, like, we talk about pressure and rising to moments and all on you. Like I think of that last game in the NWHL and that championship, and I think it was 62 shots, but we'll get to that in a minute. I want to <laughs> stick with the beginning. At what point was it, was it always goal once you started playing on the ice? Did you play out at all? And, and what were your experiences growing up in terms of, I'm always curious when coaching becomes formalized 
in the position because we see it now like kids have goalie coaches at such a young age and sometimes what we see is the people that had the most successful careers um didn't necessarily start that way so where was it for you i didn't really have a goalie coach we hear a lot of that so um i think on the coaching side a lot of your you know your theories or the thing that you you know focus on the most is a lot of your own experiences so for me i never really had a goalie coach so I think I had to learn all by myself of how to fix things or evaluate myself on the ice and, okay, they're scoring glove all the time. Like, what am I doing differently? And I remember in college, I think it was a a freshman maybe, and it was back when you just stood on the post, like you just stood there and you got scored on five hole every single time. (laughs) There was no like structure on the post. So I went to one of the men's games and was just watching what the men's player was doing. And that's when the VH came around. So then it was like, okay, I'll try that. But I obviously didn't know how to do it right. And I'm leaning everywhere and getting scored on up top. And so my coach is yelling at me, you can't do that anymore, but nobody had an answer. So (laughs) it was a lot of trial and error for me. Um, But I kind of like that when I'm looking at kids now, I think teaching them the basics is key and then teaching them like how to kind of figure it out on their own. I think when they get too structured, from what I've seen, when they get too structured too young, they don't learn how to, it's like, oh, well, the puck is right here. So I'm going to make this save instead of like, stop the puck, <laughs> you know? No, we've definitely seen a lot of that. I think even like over on the NHL level, the the push towards Russia, when you get to know the people over in Russia and, and what the goaltending experience is over there, a lot of what what I hear is, the structure isn't as formalized at a young age. So they go out and learn how to just play. And then you add the structure at a later age. So we've definitely heard that. Now, I do want to go back to the stand on the post and the puck just beats you five hole thing, because I think we're, we're going to clip this and play it back every time someone on the internet says RVH fail. The goalie should just stand up. <laughs> There's a reason we I develop post play. I saw that today. <laughs> so, so you, through college, I mean, you set, set a record for career saves in the NCAA while you were at RMU. What was the, did you ever have a goalie coach there? What was the development curve like there? Were you on your own the whole time? Yeah, well, it was a brand new team. We honestly had like 14 players at best. Like a, our full roster was about 14. Yeah, you went there knowing that you were going to be busy. Yeah. Yeah, they said, we need was a goalie a conscious... and you're going to get 50 shots a game. Was I said, that, was that done. You, that was That's something what you were I looking for? Yeah. Okay. There's something to be said there for all the kids that have that choice sometimes between, am I going to be, you know, can I play on, a, on an elite AAA team and maybe not play that much or not be that busy and might have a choice to go down to a lower level and actually get to see some shots, isn't there? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I really, I had Mercyhurst and Robert Morris were pretty much the only teams that asked me to play for them. And Mercyhurst said, you'll be a third string goalie. You know, we think you're maybe not division one caliber and you'll be on the bench and whatever else. And then Robert Morris came in and we're a brand new team. Like you're it. We need you in the pipes. And Mercyhurst at the time was like, they're a national contender. They're really, really good. They won the league every year or go to Robert Morris and, you know, take your, take your lumps, but maybe see what we can do in four years. So I've always been on the end of, I want to build things. I want to see what we can do and take it from ground zero and, and build on it. So that's why I chose to go there. And um, we didn't make it too far in my four years, but now my husband's actually the associate head coach there now. And, um, you know, they've won the regular season almost, you know, the last couple of years and they've got 
conference championship. So that's fun for me looking back as an alumni seeing, you know, we built that and we've, we failed a million times and now they're where they are now. And that's the reason why I went there. More than just an alumni, a member of the hall of fame at Robert Morris university. Mm -hmm. So a lot, a lot of pride in that. You were also in terms of starting somewhere and building something, you, you went to the NWHL in the first season, played for the Buffalo Buttes. What was that experience like? And again, I hate to keep going back to the coaching, but I'm fascinated by when did you start to get structure, maybe had other people help you with some of the structural elements? Because you, I mean, you're the talking about two-time is, Olympics. Did I ever have structure okay, so we'll go with that in one. my game? <laughs> okay. <laughs> I laugh at this all the time. I've, I started my business goalie training after the 2014 Olympics. And I found it funny. The kids would be like, you know, I tell them to do something. And they're like, okay, like, how exactly do I do that? And this sounds stupid, but I'd be like, I honestly don't know. Like, I never had anyone teach it to me. So it was like, uh, I just did it. And it was probably wrong, but, you know, whatever, it became more naturally. So I'd never really thought about the things that I was doing. So as a coach, just like anything when you're playing, like you find a weakness and you have to get better at it. So I spent so much time, like I'd even put my own pads on and trying to figure out okay, what is this actual movement? You know, what makes it work? What makes it doesn't? And uh, that was fun. It was kind of like breaking down your own game. And I think it maybe made me think a little bit more in the game, which was probably not good. Uh, but but as a it was coach, cool to learn all that. As a coach yeah. now, I would imagine it would have benefits because you didn't just listen to somebody say, do it this way because you had to actually mm -hmm. go and figure it out for yourself. The problem why. solving. So yeah. same thing when I was younger. You know, nobody taught me what to do. So I had to figure it out on my own. And um, make more sense of it. So now sometimes, you know, you see the, a drill on Instagram or a kid comes in like, can we do this drill? And you're like, no, <laughs> if you could tell me the purpose of that drill, we'll do it. But you know, I like things to be realistic and I like the kids to figure it out. And if I want them to slide, then we're going to move the puck in tight. You know, I see some drills set up where they're passing across the blue line and the kids are sliding around. And you know, I think a lot, they're missing that part of, is this realistic? Am I, are we teaching the kids to slide or are we teaching them to read the play? And this isn't a play that we would slide on. So let's right. either move it in or, you know, let's use a shuffle or whatever it is. Um, but that stuff has been pretty fun for me. I got an opportunity to coach with the IHF goalie thing a couple of years ago. Yep. And uh, a lot of the Hockey Canada goalie coaches were there and I got to see the development that they've been doing. And it was so cool. Like we haven't really done that. And he had me demonstrate like a shuffle and I shuffled and he was like looking at me like, you're doing that wrong. <laughs> and I'm like 30 at the time. Like, are you kidding me? Nobody taught me how to shuffle properly. And what he, you know, flatten out your edge and whatever. I'm like, that is genius. <laughs> what? <laughs> so now I think every coach has the story of, you know, I wish I knew what I knew now, like when I played and what I found is, you know, you take pictures of the puck angle and you're looking at this, that, and the other thing. So you had the like, iPad out the other day. Like, this is a pretty simple, I mean, for a, such a complex game, you can break it down into the, just the most simple, you know, angles and depth. And, okay, does, do we actually need a six foot four? No, like you, you just have to fill the posts. And as long as you're playing that and you're reading plays and you're quick enough to get there and your reaction time is good, like, it's really all you need in there. 
I'm like, this, this is way more simple than I thought it was when I was playing. You know, the game seems so fast. And then when you break it down, you're like, no, I didn't have to do that. Like, <laughs> I could have just stood there and it would have hit me or whatever. Uh, that small net in front of you versus that big six by four behind you, right? Uh-huh. Yeah. yeah. So I look back at games, you know, that Isabel Cup game is, you know, in my mind, like the best game I ever played. Right. And I look back at it and um, we played it for... Um, I was actually with Megan Bozak and Blake Bolden out in California. We ran a girls camp and we let them watch the third period of it. And I'm like sliding everywhere, like on my butt. I'm like, this is horrendous. Like do as I say, not as I do. (laughs) It's not pretty. So when you asked, when did I put structure in my game? I don't know if I ever did, but. (laughs) But again, sometimes it's just about stopping the puck. Right. right? Yeah. Um, it's but and and the other part too is like when I started doing this in like oh three oh four, um, working with actually Ian Clark, the Canucks goalie coach for Old Goalie News Magazine, and started learning about this. Like two thirds of the NHL got up off the wrong leg, and you could go <laughs> and watch twelve year olds at goalie camps, and they all knew how to do it properly. And half like there's always that evolution where the younger kids are getting taught this stuff, and and those who have been playing it sometimes don't get the same exposure. So it's I think that's kind of. We laugh about it, but it's kind of a constant theme for goaltenders. Mm-hmm. So now, how I, I've you talked about? Were you thinking of retiring after 2014, and then you um, kept going in the end in in the NWHL or yeah, after I was kind of tossing around the idea. You know, do I still have the passion for it to put in the time that you need to to be on this team? It's I don't know if anyone realizes the time commitment. Probably not, uh, and it's a lot. And I was married and. You know, what do, what's this process? <laughs> what is our future? Do I stop? Do I keep going? And, uh, you know, luckily the team had made that decision for me anyway. So <laughs> I was done after 2015. Uh, I was going to retire. And then the NWHL came around. And I, like we had said, I love being a part of that, that ground floor and whatever. So to be able to be, to play with the Buffalo Buttes and, um, we knew that the Boston team was going to be stacked, and so it was going to be a struggle. And again, hey, do you want to stand in net and get 50 shots? Absolutely. Sign me up. Uh, so I played that first year. We ended up making it to the finals. We lost in an overtime shootout. Like, it was terrible. It was a terrible way to end. So I came Is home. That why and, you, that's why you didn't end it there? Yeah. Because of the ending? Yeah. Like, you can't come that close and just stop. So I, my husband was like, whatever, I gave up trying to tell you what to do a long time ago. So, <laughs> so he was great about it. I played one more year. It was a lot because I had my business back in Pittsburgh. So that was a Monday through Friday and then drive up. It was three and a half hours to Buffalo. We'd practice at nine so o'clock at night, play on either a Saturday or Sunday, come home. And sometimes that was busing to Buff or Boston, busing back, getting home 7 a.m., another three and a half hour car ride back to Pittsburgh and then start your work week. Yeah. That's tough. So yeah. And all the training that came along with it, but it was worth it. I loved it. And I loved that uh, I was able to end the way that I did. As finals MVP, final game MVP. I mean, is there a better way to go? Is that, that's, that's the dream for every goaltender, yeah. right? Win your last game. Mm-hmm. It was kind of the Cinderella story. We were last place in the league playing basically team USA so to be able to pull off that win, and that was pretty cool. Now you're here with, with USA Hockey in a goaltending coach capacity. You mentioned working with Robert Morris, but I'll, tell, tell me about the private business and the coaching you're doing there and some of the camps. 
that you run in the summers and stuff and where people can find out more information on how they can learn not to have structure or too much structure <laughs> in their game. If you want to flop around like a fish and <laughs> you know, let pucks hit you. Uh, yeah, so I've got a little facility at the Robert Morris rink that I do private lessons. Um, in the summers, I keep it a little bit, it's a little bit different. I did one year where I did a summer camp and I wasn't sure that I loved it. You know, it's just like one week of, and then, you know, you're done. So the following year I did it more like, I want the kids out of their pads. I want them playing baseball and whatever else. So we just did more like off ice or we do once a week where we'd get on the ice for maybe like an hour and then. It was a little bit more off ice stuff. So a little more continuous program versus just see them for a week and never see yeah, them again. Like I would rather them just get, you know, a couple of touches, whether it was once a week or once every other week. So they do get that time away. Cause I do think that's important. I was big into playing a bunch of different sports and I think that helped me. And I always looked forward to hockey season. So the kids now you can almost see them like decline. They get super excited about hockey season and they're playing on three different teams and that's their whole life. And by the end, Too they're much. not as excited about training. Um, so there's a balance there of, you know, not losing those skills, but then. Physical literacy in other sports, yeah, developing, and just having fun. And, yeah. Um, so I tried to keep it more fun in the summer. And then I really spend a lot of time growing the women's game and that's players and goalies. So I have my summer camp. And that's had, players and goalies too, yeah, right? Yeah, players and goalies. I have all my staff as either Division One coaches or national team players. And um, Rigsby came in after the gold medal game or gold medal team and, you know, brought her gold medal and all the girls got to see it. The year before, we brought the Isabel Cup. So I spend the summers more like, you know, trying to inspire that group. And, you know, they got to see a gold medal. They got to see the Isabel Cup and meet meet the players. And um, so kind of have a off season in season <laughs> kind of deal with my business as well. Do you do some some work on synthetic ice? I do. Yeah. And what's that what's the difference there? Cuz I've seen like we know some coaches that have it as part of their facilities here and like as someone who's played the game at the highest level and's now coached on ice and on synthetic like what are the differences? What can be the benefits beyond access at any point? Like what kind mm -hmm. you have to change your focus on certain things on synthetic versus ice? A little bit. Um, when I first got it, I wanted real ice, obviously. And this company came in and they're like, Hey, can you try this for us? Like we, it's, you know, the newer whatever. And I'm like, I have no experience on this. I don't know if I want this. And I tried it and it was kind of nice. So I got it and I put it all in, you know, a couple thousand dollars later, I put my pads on and I'm moving around and I'm like, Oh no. Like I just made the most expensive, <laughs> like terrible mistake ever. Cause it is different. It's Yeah. But then once you skate on it a little bit and it, your stuff, you know, slides and your skates get heated up, it's fine. But I had to kind of develop my strategy with coaching on it. Around it. Yeah, yeah. Because not only the synthetic, but the dimensions, you know, it's just like a rectangle. So um, as I was moving around, I was still playing when I, when I first got it. So I was doing some movement and I'm like, oh my gosh, I'm dying. Like, this is a great workout. Like, I got super strong. Like, if I only, if I didn't have a day where I had ice or there was ice available, but, like, I could get so much more done in 30 minutes than I could on the real ice just, in an hour. Just pushes, increased movement and yeah, stuff like that? Yeah, just movement. Like, I got my workout in. Mostly I was building up, strength. As opposed and, to sliding? No, you can slide. Still slide? Yep. Um, and what I noticed was that 
I didn't realize how much like weight transfer and technique came into play when you're moving. Because on the real ice, you, you don't get, notice it. You can get away with stuff. You can get away with it. Where on the synthetic, if you cheat at all, your foot's going to slip. So I started noticing how much better my movement got when I would practice on the synthetic rather than. So from oh no to this is a real positive. Yeah. Like I really found, I mean, I kind of had to found, find the good in it because I had already bought it, but <laughs> I really do believe, you know, if I, if I had it my perfect way, I would have a little sheet of real ice and I would also include synthetic to be honest with, um, if I had like, you know, my own made to order facility, because I found a lot of benefits. Like the kids get so quick, so quickly because they, it's frustrating and if they can get over the fact that it's frustrating because they're falling, they learn that weight transfer and the angles of their blades and where their hand positioning is. Like all of that makes such a big difference in your movement when you're on synthetic. So I found they they learned much faster. This all sounds like structure. So yeah. This sounds like good biomechanics and, and yeah. technical goaltending. And uh, I've built in, like I do some speed drills with them and we have like a record board up there because they see their buddy and then they want to beat them Still gotta be so fun, they work right? quicker but um I'm always trying to preach to them like you know your form is it has to be on point and they're just trying to once they try to go faster the form breaks down and the arms are flying all over the place so we break it down we stop timing we fix the form go back to speed and all of a sudden they're like oh it's almost like less effort the better because once they stay still, it's just moving back and forth and their time was faster than what it was when they were flopping all around. Funny how that works, right? Right? Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> but it's hard, Less especially with the little kids, like A, getting them to do movement, like that's boring. Right. And I don't think a lot of people, you know, parents and kids included, realize that goalie training is the most tedious. It's boring. It's like catch 100 pucks. And <laughs> or sometimes, when, like you said, movement. Do this movement. No parents want to see their kid not make a save in an hour. But the reality of movement is like sometimes you can't get pucks, there. You can't yeah. make the save. And sometimes pucks reinforce bad habits because you feel you're behind. Mm -hmm. You chase. You start to break away from the technique maybe earlier than you right. needed to. But yeah, I, I, I always see that separate with it. Too. We'll they do don't... in an hour lesson. We'll probably do anywhere from you know, depending on the kid if they're really good at movement. You know, we just kind of run through it or you know work on some strength or work on speed. But most of the time, if you're starting from ground zero, a lot of it is movement. We'll do 30, 40 minutes and then, you know, like 20 minutes of pucks and they hate it. But once they figure out how much better they're getting, like once you figure out to move, you just look the part in the first place <laughs> and then you can be an athlete after that. Um, it but right it's hard getting that. them to buy into all the fundamentals. Um, but what's been cool for me, A, playing at all the levels, but now coaching at all the levels as well is you can have a really, really good college goalie and they just don't have the pieces of what it takes to be a national team player or a pro on the men's side. There's such different personality or attention to detail. We have the occasional just super athlete that makes it. But if you watch any of those pro goalies or, you know, us on the national team, it's we get on the ice, you do your, your footwork, you do your tracking. And it's that kind of stuff that you're doing on a daily basis that kind of takes you from A to B, that yeah. like f the attention to fundamentals rather than just go on the ice and willy nilly go through the drills and you stopped all the pucks and that may work in college, but you get to the, a higher level and all of a sudden that doesn't work anymore. 
if I had a little money for every time we were out doing doing video work <laughs> with an NHL goalie coach and a parent happened to see it and came up afterwards and said, that wasn't really a workout, was it? You guys were just filming something, right? Yeah. And it's like, no, <laughs> these are the fine details that yep. these guys do. That's 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 mm-hmm. such a big part of that lesson for parents and goalies alike that that those are the details that'll separate you at the highest level, mm-hmm. not flying all and over the, the place. With the little guys, you have to work it in too because it can't be boring all the time. Like True. they're never going to come back. So you've got to make it fun. And then also like, hey, your your attention is mine for these 20 minutes. Do it, work hard. You pick a drill, we'll do something fun, and then we'll get back to work. Like I found that has been working pretty well with some of the younger guys, but holding their attention. and They have to love it, though, too. Like That's a big part of it. If they don't love it, they're never going to have the capacity to train at the level you need to train at to be at that elite level. So I think a lot of times, too, you make it so like a job for these little kids. And then it's like, I don't know why my kid never, you know, became anything. We're like, well. They're not having fun. Yeah, I don't, I never played with anybody on the national team that it was their parents' dream for them to be a national team player. They work so hard because they love to work hard. You know, they throw each other through the boards because they want to be better or they're working for their spot or, you know, it's just a different mentality. It's a different work ethic. And if you can only, it's like you go past that point in your career and it's like oh if I could tell you know these kids what I learned I was so sloppy in college I'm kicking out rebounds everywhere but I was athletic enough and quick enough to get across and make the save and then my first national team practice I was kicking out rebounds and it was like goal (laughs) goal (laughs) I'm like hmm I'm gonna need to break some things down here this doesn't work at this level (laughs) so that's always a message I try to send back to you know, whether I'm working, you know, with the men's team now or the women's team in the past is, you know, do these details now. Cause when you get to that next level, you're already going to be a step ahead of everybody else that has to learn it. You already know, and you're already working on all those details ahead of time. Okay. Speaking of next level brand, I promise 20 minutes, Darren Millard is going to laugh when he hears this interview, cause we're already at 30. <laughs> You've got a team at the ultimate level out there waiting for you for practice yeah. <laughs> in a couple minutes. So I better let you go. But thank you so much for taking the time. I know our audience, all these goalies are going to really enjoy this interview and learn from it and hopefully have things that they can take away as they chase their dreams, whether that dream is AAA, college, or the national team in Olympics or beyond. So thank you so much for taking the time to talk to them. Yeah, thanks for having me. Brianne is uh, one of my top five favorite goaltenders now. Uh, one of my top five favorite interviews in uh, 55 episodes uh, of this podcast. And we still have Anne-Renee Debian, uh, who was the rock star at the NHL All-Star Weekend in St. Louis in that women's three-on-three game. And Katie Burt, uh, Team USA Hockey uh, goaltender, part of the rivalry series. Uh, those two interviews still to come, but uh, boy. Brianne was a, was a breath of fresh air. And, and we are all goaltenders and we love the position, but she just uh, added something uh, to to our position uh, throughout the course of that discussion. You kind of see why she's a good coach too, eh? Like why 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 her yeah. players love love working with her as a coach. Now, now I'm going to call myself out here um, because I don't know where I, like I followed her career like during the Olympics. Uh, last time she was in Vancouver, as we mentioned, I was covering the Olympics and she was here with Team USA as a, de- that was 10 as years a decade ago. ago. No, but for some reason I got it in my head that it was Brianna. 
And it's one of those things that when you hear it the first time or for some reason it gets in your head and for the last decade in my mind, it's been Brianna. And so put my foot right in my mouth and called her by the last, by the incorrect first name when we, when we sat down to talk. So uh, I'm going to call myself out for that. And I also didn't realize I need to take a look back at the footage because it feels like she's got to be exaggerating how loose her structure was because I don't remember that. Uh, Very self-deprecating. And I'm like, no, I get like, come on, you're being a little hard on yourself here. So, but some great, uh, because I don't remember being quite like that, but some great, just some great insights, some great lessons and some things that I, you know, I don't care how old you are. I don't care if you're on the men's side, the women's side, there are some lessons there that you can apply to your game and become a better goaltender as a result of it. And follow her on Twitter, Brianne MCL, and, uh, and join the conversation because uh, if, uh, if she's that engaging uh, in that interview with, uh, with Woody, she's certainly worth uh, leaning on and following on the course of uh, social media because, uh, boy, but being so positive, uh, we, we can all use that. But uh, Hutch, you're right. Uh, she, just, uh, she was so much fun. She was a lot of fun, and, and I really like the, the, the composure of her as a, as a teacher. I liked her ability to be self-deprecating, as you mentioned, for her to uh, talk to her students, um, not as a, as a know-it-all, but as somebody who can collaborate with them. Uh, you know, the fact that she mentioned a few, few techniques that she actually didn't even know how to execute when she was talking to a student uh, and having to become a student of the game again herself. I love that mixture of positivity, uh, although clearly there's somebody who likes to push her students as well. And uh, that balance of personality and drive, I think, is really important uh, to be a great coach. The, you know, the piece that really stuck out for me was uh, stuck out for me was the um, the plastic ice. Um, mm-hmm. You know, I'd been on it before, did not enjoy the experience. I've seen kids on it who didn't particularly enjoy the experience. And now you've got somebody who's able to frame it in a completely different way is sort of got me thinking, wow, maybe it's worth trying because it forces a bit of precision. Yeah. And interesting that she started with the same mindset, Hutch. Listen, um, Part number two of me screwing up was I did not get to ask about American Ninja Warrior. So that just means we have an excuse to bring exactly. her back, guys. But the, again, the best part of that interview, and I know Hutch noted it as well, we are for sure clipping that line about staying on your skates oh, yes. and having pucks thrown in off your between your legs, five hole, because you stood up on your post from a sharp angle. And we are using that clip every time somebody rails on about an RVH fail online because I thought, I, I mean, that's, there's a reason post play developed. There's a reason VH and RVH were developed and there's a reason goalie spent so much time on it, standing up on your posts, bad goals went in. And so to hear her talk about that, I was just like, hallelujah, we are pulling that clip and using it on the <laughs> internet from now until the end of time. Thank you very much, Brianne McLaughlin Biddle. Yeah, all three of these goaltenders uh, that you are going to hear from are very independent thinkers of the game, but very passionate uh, about the sport and about the position and and came up with it by falling in love with it uh, organically. And it's, it's a really... Uh, solid stream between the three of them and yet they're uh they continue to be very different as you'll hear from Anne renee and uh, katie in just a little bit but uh want to get into our gear segment uh which uh uh i mean there's uh there's through this rivalry series in the international game we get to see uh, some of the different uh gear selections uh from from the women that are taking part in this rivalry series so and and hutch a uh, uh, good point uh, by you is is they do wear the gear uh differently and it does fit differently yeah I've had a number of questions come through in the last few weeks. Uh, minor hockey president wondering about what sort of gear to get for the the smaller female goalies. Uh, and then 
then also had one who was looking for pro level protection, but at, I forget the size, but let's call it five, two, five, three, I uh, was really struggling to find gear that fit and gave that protection that was required. And uh, so it's really apropos that this week's gear segment talks about custom chesties, custom pants, which really is probably the only way uh, that a woman playing at a high level is going to be able to get just the right fit. And not a coincidence, it's Brian's. Uh, it does fit pretty perfectly this week. Um, we're going to talk with Cam about the Optic 2 and about your ability to order custom through them. But of course, Hutch, you would remember back in the day when we started, uh, Brian's actually made a female-specific chest protector. They don't have that particular model anymore. But the fact they made it for a number of years tells you that they know, um, they sort of know what needs to be done, what goes into that. I would imagine they have a lot of those molds available. Uh, we'll run that by Jaws as part of this gear segment. It's kind of a two-parter. Cam's going to walk you through how the custom process works. And Chris Joswiak of Brian's Custom Sports is going to join us to talk features and custom options outside of colors on their new Optic 2 line. Welcome back to the Hockey Shop Source for Sports. We're in the basement, little slice of goalie heaven, back with Cam Matwiv. And today we're going to look at actually a new piece of equipment, one we haven't talked about before. Um, Brian's is a company that introduces their new line in November. So we talked about the Optic 2 pads, glove, blocker, and continue to have excellent feedback on that product uh, from our testers as we get it out into more and more hands. Uh, the dominant theme among the pads is just that balance and stability when you're on your knees. Um, just the way you feel, it's just, there's, there, there's a great seal. It's improved from optic one and just a stability to the pad that's improved greatly. The thing we haven't talked about yet. That's just, they just launched the customizer is the optic two. And that's again, ahead of the, ahead, ahead of the other companies in terms of their, their release date is the optic two chest protector and the optic two pants. Now, this is a bit of a unique one. You've got some coming into the store in person if people want to just come down and buy a stock unit cam. But the customizer, they can go on Brian's, the custom goal company. That's the rep. That's the history they've made. Um, they've got custom. You can really design some cool looking color matching pants, which are obviously visible to shooters and the other teams, but also chest protector. You can customize the colors there. So you can go on their customizer and do it. What I wonder is, if I want to take that extra step, I want to go on their customizer. How does it work in terms of then buying it? Because I don't buy it from Brian's itself. I contact you at the hockey shop source for sports or the hockey shop.com and order it through you through you. So walk me through that process and your role in it and what you do to make sure that when that customer places that order, what they're getting back is what truly they want. And there's no sort of misinterpretations or things lost. That's correct. So a very easy process um, to place. Um, so once you've decided on your size and what you need, you just head over to goalies-only.com um, and go on to their online customizer. You pick out your colors that you're looking for. And at the end, once you pop in all your specs and if you want custom embroidery and whatnot, there'll be an option to save your design. Uh, once you save that, um, you basically will have a reference number that will be popped out. I just need that reference number and that's how I can submit your order. Okay, so in terms of the sizing and the fit and the feel, if you're not, if this is maybe your first, for example, optic, or there are some changes in the specs here. They've widened out some things in the shoulder. We're going to have Chris Joswiak from Brian's on in a minute to talk to us about the features and go over that side. But if you're not sure about the fit, you're not sure what size you are, you got some questions, that's where you can come in to the hockey shop, Source for Sports here in Surrey, try it on in person, talk to you, do your regular sizing, the things that you're good at, making sure 
How's it going to integrate with your pants? Uh, or if you're buying the Optic 2 pants as well, put them on together, see how they work together, get your sizes dialed in before you go on the customizer and, and, and sort of fancy up the look. That's great. Super easy process. I mean, I, chests are one of my favorite ones to, to fit and do because it's always such in tune. Every goalie likes something a little bit different, whether it be their presence inside the net or what kind of movement they're looking for. Um, I truly believe this optic uh, two chest is a great option. Um, definitely. You've, you've tried it on. You've had it on. Obviously, you it's, guys have some coming in. I, you haven't had a chance to play in it. So it's an option for who? If my preferences are what, this is a good option for me in terms of what I like out of my chest protector. I would start backwards and say if you're already familiar with Brian's chests, it, it does uh, provide a lot of familiar familiar um i'll try it one more time familiarity, familiarity. there Attaboy. it is <laughs> i'm here to i'm here to help you through a couple of weeks ago we had the math problems i'm here to help you through the word problem. a couple of pucks off the head and there you go so anyway brian's familiarity uh you'll be able to still get a lot of that same feel like you'll a lot of the specs and uh, the materials that they're using is still similar to their previous models it's just what they've done with this guy um they've increased the presence that the chest takes um, looks get, a little bigger. Yes, correct. Um, they've adjusted some of the protection values, especially in the belly area, which we got a little feedback from the optic one. Um, other than that, it's kind of one of those things you got to see in person or try on or having seen the pictures and whatnot, the best way to describe it. But on that surface area to feel ratio, there's sort of that sliding scale between um, protection and mobility. Brian's is a unit that, again, they've increased the protection, but also sort of edges toward that side where it's mobile out of the box, flexible, a lot of easy movement, as opposed to some of the bigger, bulkier units that might take a little longer to break in and get to that point. Is that fair? That's that's totally fair, and I would say correct. Okay, so the process is easy, and we are going to be joined here in a minute by Chris Joswiak, and he'll walk us through some of the you know finer points of the evolution of the Optic 2 compared to the Optic 1, and we'll talk about the pants a little bit. Um, once we get through that, though, come into thehockeyshop.com, or the Hockey Shop Source for Sports, or or check out thehockeyshop.com. Or if you have questions, you get a hold of Cam at 604-589-8299. And he'll help you out with the sizing. Then once you've got that dialed in, you know what you want, head to the customizer from Brian's, pick your custom colors, get the reference number, then contact Cam again, and he'll place your order and make sure you get taken care of. Uh, like I said, we got Jaws coming up in a minute here to walk us through sort of some of the finer details. But Cam... Thank you very much for explaining the process. Not everybody's been through it. Not everybody's going to be familiar how easy it is. There's no need to be scared of a custom-ordered chest protector, or custom-ordered pants. With Brian's and with the Hockey Shop Source for Sports, it's easy to do. Thanks for walking us through. Thanks, Kevin. All right, so Chris Joswiak, uh, Brian's Custom Sports, is going to join us now. Cam walked us th- already, Jaws, through the sort of ordering process. Obviously, you guys have a customizer, one of the few companies that has a customizer for your chest and arm and your pants. He walked us through how to fill, once you've filled out that customizer, chosen your beautiful design, how to sort of place the order. But now we're going to lean on you a little bit because it is a new product, one we haven't had a chance to see yet at InGoal. Um, Cam should have it in the shop later this month and, and retailers, I guess, everywhere are going to have it in stock pretty soon. But you know it better than anyone. So we thought we'd lean on you. Give us give us the overview. What uh, What's the Optic 2 chest protector and pants? What are what are some of the new features? What are some of the focal points? How's this one going to feel compared to a genetic? What are the key differences and what are the similarities? Yeah, no, we're really excited about the Optic 2 chest and pant. Uh, you know, really going from the Optic 1, a lot of where that uh, kind of came from was the Optic 1 was supposed to be this streamlined NHL fit because 
that season was the year that the uh, NHL rules came into place with the smaller chest protectors. So we've learned a lot from then. And traditionally, Bryant's hasn't been that strong in the chest protector market. If you look on shelves, you know, you're going to see a lot of the competitor brands where, you know, when it comes to gloves and pads, you'll see a ton of Bryant's. We're traditionally a little bit weaker in the uh, chest and pant market, but it's not to say we can't build a good one. And, uh, you know, everything um, on our pro model stuff is all Canadian made, built in Kingsville using our e-foams, you know, all the highest grade materials. You'll see a lot of that uh, poly mesh, like that metal mesh uh, material on on the Optic 2 chest. Uh, Really nice stuff, the Primo material, obviously. So it's a high quality. I mean, it's probably the best built chest protector on the market, in my opinion. Um, You know, it was just getting all the finer details right. So the mobility is right. Um, You know, the bend in the arms is comfortable right out of the box, you know, for a goalie to go right into a game with, which traditionally ours took a lot of breaking in. There's tons of adjustability. Um, You can move the neck, the arms, everything's, you know, with our super high grade Velcros. So you can really get it to that exact tune fit that you're looking for. But really another big thing was looking at the competitors, seeing how their sizing is and and getting our proportions right so the sizes matches up. Because traditionally, I think our sizing was a little bit different than other brands. And it might not be that exact, you know, feel that you're looking for if you're coming over from another company. So. Okay, so from a performance standpoint, like we're on that sliding scale and, and everybody, companies quite often have different models um, to achieve different things. We're on that sliding scale between um, sort of mobility and blocking material. Obviously, in a perfect world, every chest and arm does everything. It's big, it's bulky, and it moves like it's not. But where in that scale does this one fit in terms of the emphasis being on mobility versus, say, uh, size and, and presentation and protection. Yeah, for sure. Well, I mean, you know, we really went all in on this chest protector. So traditionally, um, you would see us with, you know, having the genetic line, having the optic line. We even had a pro stock and a zero G all at, at one time. Right now, uh, moving forward, like this is our really our only chest protector. So we feel it kind of covers all the bases. Um, all of our NHL goalies use the optic two model currently. Um, very well received. They think it covers up more space than the previous models and definitely much more space than the Optic One, even though they both fit within the rules. I would say the first time we almost went too small just to make K happy and the league happy. And, and you know, we learned later on that we can go a little bit bigger there. Um, so, you know, mobility and everything is really probably where our biggest downfall used to be. So we've really paid attention on, you know, softening up the areas that you need some flex in and, and using the right materials in, in certain spots. But tons of protection, tons of coverage. Uh, you know, it's just really our end-all be-all because we, we can't be having 10 different models of chest protectors in our small factories. So uh, we've really put all our eggs in this basket and we're, we're really happy with how it performs. Well, we're excited to see it as well and give it a try. Um, Custom options. Obviously, we've seen the colors. Everybody can get on the customizer. And I know you probably nuked a lot of goaltenders weekends when you launched that. They were all on there trying out new designs and kind of a novel concept. And I think one that people are embracing, you know, match the pants, match the chest. You have a little flair, you know, even underneath your jersey. I like the idea there. What about 
terms of custom fit, custom options, we had a, cl- a question. Uh, our podcast this week is heavily focused towards the women's side of the game. We've got a number of the, the goalies and goalie coach from the Team USA and Team Canada um, rivalry series on the podcast this week. And so we also got a question from a parent wondering about you used to have a women's model. I know you don't anymore, but are, were there lessons you learned and are there custom options for different body shapes, different body sizes that you can you can order through Brian's and through that customizer? Yeah, I mean, really everything can be tailor-made. The key with Brian's is going and finding a great retailer. Um, perfect example is going to see Cam at the hockey shop. And really... Oh, nicely. Can, that's nicely done. They can tailor fit everything to you. So just with a couple notes, we can put in a custom order. And, uh, you know, some things may require a small upcharge. Um, but it'll be, you know, basic common sense that you're going to have to charge, you know, 20 bucks here or something like that. But, uh, yeah, we can really, um, right now I'm working on a couple pro ones, you know, for example, that we've adjusted the, the belly pad or shortened up the arms, uh, you know, beefed up the, the inner bicep area, um, for women, we can, you know, tailor it differently if needed. And yeah, we've learned a few things from that. Um, but yeah, I mean, really the options are endless. Uh, even, you know, you could do custom graphics. You could see sparks, your give, those guys have custom graphics on their chest protector, but even the stock one looks really, really sharp. And you have the options to add matte, uh, material, primo material, that metal mesh. Um, there's tons of options to really give it some, some flavor and some texture. So, uh, yeah, the, the options are really endless, but you, you got to go into a store and, and or deal with your favorite retailer and, and they can take care of you for sure. So, Oh, we love the plug for the hockey shop there. I always recommend going to see cam last one quickly. The pants jaws, just a quick overview again in that, you know, what's new, what's different. Um, where's it designed? Who's it designed for? Is it more mobility, more protection? Where does it fit on that scale? Yeah, no, I mean, traditionally, again, just like the optic one, I would say our pant was a little more streamlined in the past. This one is supposed to be more max coverage. We have an in, uh, internal belt uh, featured on our pant for the first time in maybe like 15 years. Uh, it is removable. Um, the custom options, you can do striping on the pants, anything like that. It's just a really well-built Canadian-made pant. Super, you know, rich in, in quality, but, uh, you know, a lot of mobility, a lot of coverage. And it's just a good pant. Again, I'm, I'm having a really easy time converting guys and girls into both the pant and the chest right now compared to, you know, previous years when, you know, people were a little bit less willing to, to change. So, Okay. As a pro rep, I guess that's a good sign when you're getting buy-in at the pro level. Um, it's probably a pretty good sign. You got a product that's going to do well at retail. Jaws, I know you're under the weather. Really appreciate you taking the time. Oh, walk us through the optic two chest in the optic two pants. Can't wait to get them in, you know, on, I was going to say in our hands and on the uh, bodies of our goaltenders so we can get a review out there. Really appreciate this and uh, get better. And we'll talk to you soon. Awesome. Look forward to it. Thank you.
Nice work, uh, Jaws, and custom cam, as I'm going to call them for the rest of this episode uh, over at the Hockey Shop, thehockeyshop.com on our in goal segment. Uh, uh, we are uh, talking about uh, female goaltenders and talking with female goaltenders on this episode. Uh, Anne Renee Debian, uh, a lot of people uh, will remember from the 2018 uh, Olympic Winter Games and more recently burst onto the scene and wowed everybody at the All Star Weekend in St. Louis uh, in the women's three on three game which uh, she stopped pucks early and was in that zone and was smiling, but uh, stole the show as part of that Team Canada victory. She's uh, part of Team Canada in this rivalry series. And uh, Woody, you were able to catch up with uh, Anne Renee and just a little bit uh, about her background and and her story before we get into the conversation. Well, obviously, um, I mean, a dominant college player. um, And like a lot of the players right now, sort of looking for options and places to play and um so for her uh this 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 rivalry series and i think this is why we wanted to rather than spread these interviews out over time i think that's why we wanted to run this right now because this series is ongoing obviously we're recording this hours before puck drop on game four but there still is going to be a game five down in anaheim where they're expecting over eleven thousand fans on saturday night so we wanted to sort of pump all these out there right now i think that was one of the other things like just to, an aside beyond and renee is we want to make we want to make these voices part of a regular thing on the podcast. So trying to use this experience covering this series to build some relationships with the other goaltenders, so we can get them on in the future and have their own episodes. But uh, Anne Renee was certainly in the spotlight, as you said, Darren, at the All Star game. Um, you you saw the skill level, you saw the technical game. What we didn't get to talk to her about, but I talked with her coach uh, Brad Kirkwood, uh, based out of Calgary, with top prospects goaltending, works with the Hockey Canada uh, women's program was the adjustments they made for three-on-three. Three. Remember we talked about this last week? We wondered how often had they right. played it. And um, she kind of just, she didn't want to get into details with me in this interview. But just so you know, she did work on it with Brad. They spent some time heading in to the All-Star game where he basically just told me they they kind of widened out her stance and had her play a little deeper, anticipating a lot of that back-and-forth lateral play style that we've we've come to see in three on three at the NHL level, but also if you play three on three around smaller rinks, like it's it's such an east west back and forth game that you know you can't be out and aggressive. It's not so much a skating game as a goalie; it's just sort of quick short bursts. And so they spent some time heading into that event preparing specifically for three on three, and it was mostly by widening out that stance, sort of getting a little locked and loaded earlier than you might otherwise and playing a little deeper in the net to make it easier to beat plays laterally from that wider lower stance. You're right. And, and I, she wasn't passive uh, by any means in that game, but her explosiveness east-west was memorable. And uh, the other thing is handling the puck, which, you know, talking to Brad, it, that comes naturally. That's, I mean, she was really good at moving the puck, and that's obviously another key element of three-on-three. Um, that's something we've seen in this rivalry series from her. There is no hesitation to play the puck. It's a strength. That's that's something that they didn't have to work on, but was certainly something that shone through at the All Star Game. And one of the things that uh, that you'll hear about is their approach to that game at NHL All Star Weekend, and how they came together, uh, two countries, two programs, but one goal to impress you, the hockey fan. Here's Anne Renee Debian, 2018 Silver Olympic go- uh, Silver Medalist. Uh, but also part of that incredible experience in St. Louis on In Goal Radio, the podcast. Just about the experience of the All-Star Game. 
because I know you've been on big stages, the Olympics, like the first game of the Olympics. But how did that compare at the like? What was the All Star game like in comparison in terms of just the stage? I think it was such a different experience. It's really hard to compare because you go to the Olympics. Yes, you represent your country, you represent yourself, your family. But the experience at the All Star game was so much more than that. It was women's hockey as a as a whole. So there's a Kind of a lot of pressure, but from a goalie perspective, like three on three is not really your stage to shine usually. So I guess like I just went there to have fun and uh, enjoy the experience. So that was stressful in a way because it was bigger than just me. But at the same time, as a goalie, it's like, well, whatever happens, happens. I guess part of being a goalie is dealing with that stress, right? Three on three, though, like what was your mindset there? How much three on three do you get to play otherwise? I really don't get to play that Often, so I feel like I guess there's a lot of three on in practice. That's probably the closest we get to a three on three. But uh, I think my mindset was just to be patient, calm, and try to keep it simple. Uh, and you know, you're going to get a lot of breakaways and a lot of edge work. So I think to make sure that I stay patient and just go with it. Where, like you said, that was bigger than just the game itself. It was, it was about show, high, highlighting and showcasing the women's game. Like, did you feel that pressure at the All Star game? different than like you said an olympic game or a world championship you've been on the biggest stages before but how did it feel different to you uh, i think as like women's hockey player we don't get that many opportunities to showcase uh our skills and especially like in front of this crowd because whether we want it or not this kind of it's different fans that sometimes watch women's hockey so a lot of them didn't see it so we don't know when the next opportunity is going to be for us to show those fans and often you only have one opportunity so of course in the locker room before we were talking about we have to try like, we have to put our best game out there. Like, we can't just go out and try to play pound hockey and just, like, not try. So I think that way was, like, we have to put our best effort because it's not every day we get this, um, those people watching. Where does this fit in now? You come back to the rivalry series. going to be on NHL Network, so it sounds like positive in terms of that stage grows a little bit in terms of television. Like, how do you slide from that back into this? Yeah, I think it's definitely going to be fun for a lot of us. Maybe more fans will recognize who we are. They'll seen us like at the all-star game some of us so hopefully they'll turn on and watch uh when they'll see like the Canada against the U.S. um but I feel like every time we get an opportunity to wear this jersey uh it's always an honor and we're definitely gonna best put our best game forward is it odd at all like seven weeks like it's a five-game series technically but you haven't played each other in almost seven weeks like or does it matter whenever Canada plays U.S. it's just instant I would say it's instant we saw it uh yeah in Moncton and Hartford we had two games in Pittsburgh before and then the All-Star game, like, it's always, like, whenever we play against each other, like, it's always a hard-fought game, uh, physical and intense. And it's funny because a lot of us are friends outside of the ice, so, but as soon as we get on the ice, it, there's no friendship out there. Even so, the All-Star game just become almost an extension of this series, even though it's a totally different style of hockey? It definitely adds on to the rivalry, for sure. So, obviously, what have you been doing? How did you stay sharp and this good and this on your game? between the last Olympics and taking the time off. And now your appearances for the most part, at least in terms of what's on the record, are just these showcases. How do you stay on top of your game when you're not getting a chance to play it that often? It definitely has been challenging, but uh, I feel like I've done a lot of goalie sessions, uh, which is kind of funny because now I see my game definitely more calm and used to the structure, which I used to scramble way more before. So that has been fun, but there's nothing that compares to games. So I'm definitely looking to play more games, but uh, yeah, we have practices. We have a lot of mini camps with Team Canada, which helps a lot. So it's about every other week. So I think we have like a total of seven before World Championships. So that definitely helps to play with those girls. 
so many times and face them because they're the best in the world. So it's always fun practice with them. Just Kirky, like just Brad, or or do you have other goalie coaches that you work with to try and stay sharp in between games and stuff? I have another one, Madison, Larry Clemens. It's kind of funny because he's uh, with the USA program a little bit. So Riggs and I sometimes skate with him together. So it's always, that's funny. So I'll have, those are the main two. How has your game evolved over the past, say, couple? Like you said, it's, it's changed maybe since, I mean, you had a dominant NCAA career. But it sounds like it's changed even since then. Uh, yes, for sure. I feel like taking the year off last year, I had the opportunity to coach a lot. So I feel like once you coach goalies, you see things that you did that like you don't really like or things like that. So it definitely makes you more aware of your own game. So that has helped a lot. Can you give me an example? Because like, I mean, you're talking to goalies here, right? So yeah. they would understand the language. Uh, definitely on screenshots, we have the tendency to back up and not hold our ground. So I feel like when my goalies did that, I got a little annoyed and I was like, yeah, I definitely do it too. <laughs> so those kind of little things. Uh, but yeah, it's been, uh, that helped. And also like just being happy mentally. I feel like being in a good place, like loving the game, wanting to show up to the rank and like staying uh, sharp because injuries as you get older, they're a little, you're a little more prone to injuries. So I feel like that has gotten a little better too for me. Hey, I'm an old goalie myself. So I know all about that. It doesn't get any better, unfortunately. No, Although probably better at the elite stage for yeah. you. Um, like what was your first Olympic start like? to go in there and all of a sudden in the first game against Russia and you pitch a shutout on that stage. Like, what have you learned over the years about how to prepare for big moments? Is there anything in terms of your preparation, say for an event like that, that helped you at the All-Star game or will help you here? I was going to say, I'm definitely an easygoing goalie. Like, I like to have fun. I like to keep the mood, like, I don't know, fun and relaxed. So I feel like that's always been me, but I don't have any specific routine or anything to do different to me. It's just another hockey games, whether you play uh, an NHL rank at all star game or the Olympics, it's always uh, the same rules, the same games and all of that. And it doesn't change. Visualization, mind stuff, or you just go and play? I just go out and play. Uh, keep it pretty simple. So I, I noticed that you guys were doing a drill this morning where Brad actually had you sort of shuffling and then into set, but with your eyes closed. Have you done that before? I uh, know that's the first this week. We did it yesterday too. So at first I was like, oh, this is kind of weird. And like my mind kind of drifted everywhere. I was like, oh, like what? And I was like, okay, I actually have to like visualize things. So it's kind of fun. But just to make sure you're aware of your surrounding, like your angles and all of that, I think we've done those movements so often that we should be able to do them with our eyes closed. So I think, yeah, it's a good way to, when you don't have shooters or those kind of things to get ready for a drill or practice. So it's definitely been a, a good drill. And then he transitions you into the same drill. Does that like, does it feel easier having done it with your eyes closed? And that sounds like a weird question, but like, I think a lot of goalies would see a drill like that. And okay, how can I try this? How would it help me? It definitely helps because I feel like your body knows what to do without like seeing anything. So it's just like kind of a habit. So it's like, oh, I've already done it before. So just doing the same thing over. So I would say definitely makes, gets you ready for the next drill if you don't have the opportunity to practice it a few times before. What's, what's your mindset towards the future? I know obviously in the immediate future, you have this, the, the rivalry series, then you have the world championships. Fi finding time to play and also work and stuff like, like what kind of, what's your mindset on, on your role in the game and how this has all evolved? I was going to say, I feel like I go one year at a time right now. We never know what's going to happen next. And I have a good plan B with my master in accounting if something, if hockey doesn't work out. But uh, I would say I think that a lot of us right now are fighting for a league, something sustainable, something that we believe in that's going to be there for the long run. Uh, so I would say we might not get to enjoy it as players right now, but we hope that the little girls that are going to come watch our games this weekend will have the opportunity to be a professional women's hockey player.
So I think that a lot of us are fighting for that, but we don't know when that's going to happen and all, but we're definitely going to put all our efforts into it. Okay, so I got to rewind here. A couple more, I promise. I've taken up oh, much okay. of your time here, but who, who was your goalie growing Who was the role model growing up? Who did you model your... What was the first time you saw a player play and thought, I want to I, I wanna move like that. I want to try doing that as a goalie. Yeah. I would say, like, as a kid, like, especially back in the days, we didn't see a lot of women's hockey. So uh, I would say probably Patrick Bois was my favorite goalie growing up. Uh, you watch him play and, like, just stepping out of, like, what was standard for goalies back then, coming up with new things to do, new techniques. So that was definitely somebody I was looking up to. Uh, as I grew up a little older, I uh, got to watch the Olympics. Kim St. Pierre was probably a model, too. So it's definitely been fun. But hopefully the little girls eventually will have We'll be able to watch women's hockey on a regular basis. But even right now, I, know, I like Carey Price a lot. <laughs> He's probably, I would say, my current favorite goalie. That's not a bad, not a, not a bad, not a bad goalie to model your game after. Um, what about Shannon? What, like, what role has she played in terms of, you know, being a playing partner in 2018? She's, I don't know how to say this, but she casts a pretty big shadow over the goaltending world. She's been, like, she's just been dominant for so long. How is it to play with her and, and I, I guess, try and push her and push for that spot? as well as have her as a partner? I think it's definitely been fun. Uh, she's done a lot of things that nobody has done before, and then she's opened so many doors for goalies. So I think to have the opportunity to play with her, you get to learn from each other things that she does really well that I could take away from her. Can you give me one example? Uh, she's definitely good on the side-to-side -side, east-to-west passes and like those back doors. So I think like to model that, and like she plays really big too, so uh, she has a big presence in that. So I would say those are the main two things that I try to take away from her. But I think you can just talk and like ask questions and she was always there to answer them and like share experiences. Is it a fine line between sort of learning from her and playing with her and, and pushing too? Because, it, you know, there, there needs to be a next person to kind of take that mantle. I think when we get at this level, it's not necessarily competing against each other. I think that we all try to be the best version that we can be. And like if we can help each other, that only means that I have to be better too. So I think that we're all professionals about that. We don't want the other goalie to not do well so that you can look better. It's more like a teamwork that if Mesh does that well or like Cass and I try to ask them questions so that I can be better at that and then that as a whole as a team will be better off. I got last one. Yeah. 543 minutes and 53 <laughs> seconds. I know you got asked a lot about it at the time. My question is, you, you said one year at a time. I think as goalies, we all want to take it one shot at a time one minute how did you maintain concentration through that like what was the focus do you remember back to what allowed you to stay that focus for so long uh yeah i think uh, in a hockey game overall there's a lot of bounces like you never know what's gonna happen deflections and all that and like you know at one point like a puck is gonna go in right so i think that for me was more like just staying focused keeping like it light in the locker room with the girls not we try to avoid talking about it of course the media <laughs> make sure it's I always all yeah our fault yeah <laughs> Well, of course, the media made sure I remembered. But uh, no, it was always like just one shot at a time. And like you have to keep those distractions like away from your game because it doesn't help you. You don't control when the next one is going to go in and all that. So I think I've always been good at just focusing on next one and not worrying about those kind of things. That just come naturally because it's the easiest thing in the world to say one shot at a time. It might be one of the hardest things in the world to do as a goaltender. A lot of people say it, but doing it is different. I think with maturity and experiences, it gets a little easier, especially as a kid. I know how you let a goal in, you feel it's the end of the world and like that your life is going to end. But it's still like that in beer league, just so you know. Yeah, I was going to say. So I feel like as you learn, like 
you're gonna let goals in and it's okay like i think that if you learn from it then like it's just gonna make you better often we say that we learn way more in the losses than in the victories. so i think it's the same for a goalie like every time you let a goal in there's something else that you could have done something different so i feel like i've just accepted the fact that i'm gonna let goals in and like i'm gonna learn from them and just be better next time thank you so much for the time yeah you're welcome my pleasure What a performance by Anne-Renée Debien at the NHL All-Star Weekend, and it served as the exact performance that uh, the women's game was searching for on that kind of stage. Uh, Team Canada winning in that uh, showdown, and uh, Anne-Renée was spectacular. 2018 silver medalist, and now she puts on the Team Canada uniform, part of the rivalry series against uh, uh, Katie Burt. It, you know what's coming through here and in these conversations is is how uh, much camaraderie there is between we we think of these programs as fierce and in just battle and and almost um, not uh, not dislike but uh, but right there and there's a real camaraderie between uh, between these well, I think, people. These uh, well, athletes. I think you know a couple of things there. One, obviously, the Professional Women's Hockey Players Association. Um, a lot of them are on the same teams or playing together as part of that sort of barnstorming. They're fighting for the same thing in terms of uh, a better professional league, better professional environment than what they feel they had the option uh, with the NWHL. Um, two, though, I think it was different at that all site. Like that rivalry, when the puck drops on this rivalry series, it's back um, behind the scenes in terms of, hey, this is Canada's rink here at Rogers Arena. They're not, you know, are we sharing the weight room? Mm, things like that. Like, there's still mm. there's still a very much a rivalry here. Hockey Canada USA. Right. Hockey. And and amongst the players. But in those other environments where they're all fighting for the same thing, like like outside of the goaltenders, obviously I've been covering this series a little bit and and talking to some of the players and um hearing talk about like just the nerves at that all-star game that they had. I mean, these are players um that have played in olympic games on the biggest stage biggest moments you could possibly have playing for gold medals and not had nerves but experience those nerves i think it was sarah nurse was talking about how nervous she was before that all-star game to me because they knew that it wasn't like it was even more than well the stakes yeah it was high. more than just just your country and how much like how can you have more than your country that's the biggest stage but no this was the future of women's hockey they felt that burden and within it, they felt a camaraderie. But at the same time, the rivalry portion of it was what brought the best out of them and, and made sure that there was an intensity right. there that, you know, frankly, lacks well, on All-Star Weekend elsewhere. I just love the the um, coming together and the decision that they had to play as hard as they could to make the game as entertaining as it could possibly be, Hutch, because th that, that was what was going to separate the women's game at the NHL All-Star Weekend from anything else. Sure, have a little bit of fun, but you better offer something different. And the best way to be different was being able to play with an edge. Absolutely. And as you said um, last week on the podcast, when I wasn't able to be with you, I I uh, watched it with a group of Bantam hockey players. And all those guys were seeing was elite hockey players. And they were commenting on how skilled all of them were. Um, the same things you'd hear boy, she's sick. Oh, look at her. She's unreal. I mean, the kind of things that that you would hear if they were watching uh, any hockey game. So in many ways, that game was the highlight of the All-Star weekend for me. And uh, so impressive to see how how the women were playing and, and I think making a statement for everybody. Uh, Brienne is a 
goalie coach now, and Rene Debien was on the NHL All-Star Weekend stage, and Katie Burt is part of Team USA's roster at the Rivalry Series, a Boston College uh, a product and uh, and when you talk about uh, gamers, uh, Katie Burt is uh, she's a, she's just a gamer. She wants to play the position and uh, and she is in listening to Katie. I I have this vision of uh, Dominic Hasek in my mind because just that I will do anything possible to stop the puck. I respect the way other people play the position, but it, it is just all out whatever it takes to prevent that little disc from getting across the line, Woody. including. Not having toe ties between her pads and her skates, so there's a unique little thing that fans can look for. She's actually going to get a start here in, in Vancouver tonight, uh, which means you'll have to probably rewind it and find it on a replay by the time you <laughs> listen to this. But um, yeah, there's there's a there's an aggressiveness and a, a more active style there that I'm frankly looking forward to watching in a game scenario. I've seen it here in practice. Um, it's not like techniques out the window. Actually, there's a really strong technical game. One of the reasons, and we'll have this at Ingol Premium. Uh, here in the next couple of days, why she doesn't have toe ties is because she loves the integration into RVH and the ability to sort of lock in that toe box right on the post every single time. Um, so look for that article. Uh, for the rest, just listen to the interview. It'll all come through. Sort of enough said from me. She went to Boston College. She's got a great backstory in terms of her origins in the game, her development in the game. Another goalie who plays a lot on instinct, didn't have a lot of coaching at a young age, but she found a mentor, uh, found a coach actually through stop at goaltending. Uh, of course, we've talked to Brian Decord and and his son, Joey Decord. They uh, Brian runs the stop at goaltending and she's added technical elements. She's a sub- subscriber, if I can say that properly, a subscriber to In Goal Premium. So we love her even more because she always wants to learn. She loves the pro read. She told us because she wants to hear how other goalies approach it. And yeah, I, we, we've, we've kind of set, we're going to set some time aside to get her on the pro reads for sure, because I am fascinated based on some of the decisions on the ice and reads and the way she plays. I want to hear how she breaks down the game. I think other people would love, would benefit from hearing it too. Katie Burt, USA hockey goaltender and subscriber, and now guest on in goal radio, the podcast. So we're here with Katie Burt on the the USA Hockey part of the Rivalry Series with Canada. We're here in Vancouver, um, and we're just going to do a quick rapid-fire shoot-the-breeze goaltending session. Um, how'd you get started? How'd you fall in love with the position? I started out playing uh, street hockey with my brother. Uh, older he's brother? Older. He's five Cons- years older. Consistent theme. It is. It is. Every goalie, basically ever. Um, and I was five years younger, and I was horrible, and they used to stick me in the net because they didn't want to deal with me. And, um, I just kind of fell in love with it. And then there was a kid that was my age that also, uh, would kind of get shoved into the corner and he played might be hockey and it might be, they, uh, rotate through all the players. They all get a chance at goalie. And apparently he thought I was good enough to go be their goalie. And then I, I joined them like mid season and, uh, we stuck with it from there. Now where, at what point does that go from, just out there having fun, stopping balls, pucks onto onto the ice to a little more formal, maybe some formal training. Like at what point did that transition occur from how you got started to how you got, I mean, obviously took steps to get to this level, the highest level. Um, yeah. So I started out after that might be season. I went to uh, like in-house learn to skate type of thing, skating out and playing goalie uh, simultaneously. So I played on like three teams a year until I was, uh, Pee Wee actually 
and my parents, because we could start checking at Pee Wee's back, back in that day. And they were like, you had to choose. Like, you got to choose goalie or you got to choose skater. And then we'll go from there. And I chose goalie. And I, uh, I played with the boys skating out and the girls goalie at that point. And then I just stuck with the girls from then on out. I was about 12 years old and uh, started probably formally training when I was about like 14 or 15 years old. Like it was a little late to the game, but um, yeah. Do you think that helped? Like we've talked with a lot of guys um, and on both sides playing out for a longer period of time and the benefits to a goaltender in terms of we see now there's pressure sometimes at seven, even eight to just be a yep. goalie. And you never really learn how the game evolves and how it's read and how it sort of that, that ability to read the game seems yep. to be stagnated if you play goal sometimes too early. You think it helped you playing all the way through Pee Wee playing out? Yeah. I And I think it helped me um, even skating a little bit. Um, I wasn't just the goalie where, you know, people think about the goalie being like, oh, they're the worst skater to stick them in the net. Um, you got to be the best skaters now. Well, yeah. You got to be a great skater. If you can't skate, you can't play. That's um, why I'm in beer league. <laughs> Um, but yeah, no, it definitely helped me. I think I understood the game a, a little bit more than a regular goalie that just had played goalie their whole life. And, uh, okay. So where'd you, this is, this is a popular question that we ask, when did you get your first goalie coach? Like how did, when did the game become a combination of just instinct and, and blend over to the technical side a little bit? Yeah. Um, actually I was, I was never a technical goalie. Like I had learned how to stop pucks on the street and then it, it just like, flowed onto the ice and I was like probably the worst technique goalie until I got to college. Like it was bad. Um, I never knew how to do anything. And then once I got, I was like, I think I was like 15 years old when I did my first like stop at goaltending camp in mass Brian over DeCord. the summer. Yeah. Brian DeCord and Amy Zappin. Um, it was, I was like 15 years old and I had no idea what I was getting myself into. We were doing crossovers on the ice. I'm like, I don't have to do these. Like what the heck's going on? I, I was in over my head and then uh, the next summer, I ended up with Amy Zappin, which is really funny. She's a really good friend of mine. She's the best goalie coach I've ever had. Been with her for like six or seven years. Um, and she's funny. She's the BU goalie coach. And I went to BC. Um, and we yeah, had that relationship. That might be a problem. We had, we had the relationship all throughout college um, where I, I went and trained with her every summer and every break in between. Um, so she's been awesome. She's, she's a phenomenal coach. She's an even better person. Um, and I've got nothing but great things to say about stop it. Can you tell me how, how, what that process was like, um, adding obviously technical elements and it would, a lot of these things were new to you, but not losing. How, how'd you go about it in a way that didn't, how did she help you add elements without losing sort of who you were as a goaltender, the instinctual side that you developed on your own, those reads, that ball hockey mentality. Yep. I mean, there's, there's a reason a lot of the greats of all time talk about, you know, having that, that street hockey, that ball hockey background and that mentality at times. I, it's funny. I actually was texting Amy today about this. Like, you see, there's so many different philosophies of, of goaltending, right? And, and ours, me and Amy and Stop It is like, we're going to give you, you know, A through Z to right. do. Like, you can, you have all of these options, right? And what works for you isn't necessarily going to work best for me, but I'm going to lay down all the options and you figure out what works best for you. And I think that's what helped me so much was it wasn't, you're not putting me in a box where it's like, well, you have to do this at all times, right? And you might be better in that than me, which puts you at an advantage over me in that situation. Um, and so kind of, I would go to stop it and, and I couldn't skate. Like I, I couldn't skate well. I couldn't do anything really technically. 
Um, but I could stop a puck and I just learned how to stop pucks. Just do it any way that you can. I don't really care how it happens. Um, and slowly I'm talking like over like six, seven, eight years. Um, I've started to add in like the technical aspect of it and trying not to do that all at once was really hard. Cause I'm somebody that likes to, I like to do something and I like to have it done and then, then move from there. Um, but going slowly and just kind of adding piece by piece has helped me a ton. Okay. So Boston college, obviously working with the BU goalie coach throughout that had to, <laughs> there had to be some interesting dynamics there. There was uh, any advantage to her having the pre-scout on you constantly. She's going to hate me for saying this, but no, I mean, they never <laughs> beat us and <laughs> they beat us my freshman year and that was it. So, um, no, I mean, she could have taken advantage, but no, we, we had our fair share of, uh, fun throughout those four years. And if we could have bet on it, we, we would have bet on it, man. I mean, we're fierce, but we're both fierce competitors. And now that we're out of it, uh, we still, we still jab at each other and we're still going about the rivalry, but, uh, you know, it's all in good fun. Okay. So finish up a great career at BC and then first overall pick with the bot with Boston and the NWHL transition to pro and how you're able to maintain sort of hockey and then what you're doing outside of hockey and finding that balance yeah pro the transition to pro hockey was uh was weird um you know you go from playing hockey every day um playing 40 games a year to you know practicing formally practicing twice a week and playing you know probably two games in a month so that was a challenge um, to stay sharp, kind of? To stay, yeah, yeah, it's hard, right? Um, you know, you're only getting two or three games a month. And you have a lot of time off and you have a lot of downtime. Uh, you only get two kind of team practices a week, if that. Um, so it, it was really hard to go from, you know, I virtually played virtually every game in college. Right. To um, you know, two Your games or three games been, a week. constantly practicing yep. and in the gym and structure. Yeah, so much structure. And then I go home and it's like, okay, well. I don't have to do anything until four o'clock where I have goalie training and then I have practice at 8 p.m., right? Because all the players worked. So I had uh, a little coaching job, um, which was a blast. Um, but that was about it. Like I trained and I coached a little bit and I had a lot of downtime. From there, national team experience, how does it all blend in? Um, what's it like when, you, when, you, when you're out with the national team and all of a sudden you have a different voice uh, in Brianne McLaughlin, uh, different peers? That you do you guys talk about the position? Do you geek out about the position with each other? Do you compare notes on you like you talked about different styles, different techniques work for different people? Is there uh are you any osmosis there? You're soaking stuff up or Yeah, I mean we whenever we can, we 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 try to talk goalies. Um I try not to to kind of saturate myself with it when I'm when I'm at these things, right? Because it's like sometimes you can just get overwhelming when you're thinking about, you know, a million other things. Um you know, my job is to go stop the puck when, when my number's called. Um, but I, I love talking about just, you know, the three goalies that we have here are three completely different goalies. Like, like I could never do what Riggs does, and I don't think Riggs could do what I do. Like, Riggs is like a, a VH type of kid, and every time I go into the VH, I'm, I hate myself for it. I'm like, why did I just do that? Like, I, I can't, I'm not good at it. I always get scored on. I'm like, why the heck did I just do that? Um, you know, and I'm a little bit more aggressive than Riggs is, but she, she'll bait you and you think you got a corner open and, and she'll just come out of nowhere. And I, I, that's not my forte. 
She's um, patient, eh? Like I've watched very, her patient on the skates. Yep. Like she makes stand up saves. I was yep. watching her out there in practice. Yep. And you guys are that's the other part. You're practicing against the best. Yep. Right? Like on a daily basis. And if you're going down early, they're sniping. Oh yeah. Uh you you really gotta be on it. And and that that's the best part is like just to sit and watch Riggs play um, and watch Nick too. Like Nick's patient on her feet too, and she's great with her hands. Um, but she she holds them out quite a bit too. Yep. Like I've been like it must be amazing to be in that room talking about all these different idiosyncrasies yeah. that you guys have. Not even, it's not even the right word, but just different sort of techniques and different ways to play the game. It's fun just even to watch you in practice. Yeah, it's a blast, and you know, like I I just watch it in awe because I could, I could never do those things. Um, and you know, they probably look at some of the stuff that I do. Like I toss in a diving poke check probably once a practice, and they're probably like, "What the heck is she doing?" Um, that's just the way I play. Hey, you got to mix it up out there. Right. Otherwise, if, if they, if they know what to expect, it's easy for the shooters. Exactly. Exactly. Okay. So, okay. So I'd love to ch- talk more at some other time down the mm-hmm. road. We're going to have to have you back on talk about, cause your background is fascinating. Like you said, adding that technique later, I'd love to know how you a- apply it as a coach with uh-huh. young kids. Cause I know you're doing some of that, yeah. but we'll put that on hold for later. Cause I think you guys have a special trip coming up here uh, for dinner tonight. Yes, we do. At one of the legends place. So yeah, uh, I don't, yeah, I don't want to keep you from dinner at Cami Granado's house. Um, an in-goal subscriber I found out today. Yes. Pre- premium product treating you okay so far? It is. It's awesome. What's the best part so far? I like all the breakdowns. The pr- like I, I like the to watch reads? the pro reads. Like just to, because you're always watching and you're like, wow, like, care. Like I love to watch Carey Price, and I'm like, wow, like it's awesome to watch like these guys break it down because you're you're always breaking it down on your, on your own, right? And it's so different to see it from their brain. Um, and it just adds layers, right? Like you see it one way, and he sees it a completely different way, and it's like, oh well. I never really thought about it that way. Okay, it's, that's good to hear. So now I think what we have to do is I got to get some footage so we can have a Katie Bird <laughs> pro read. Yeah, that'd be awesome. Okay, perfect. Thanks for doing this. Um, and we will talk to you soon. Awesome. Thank you, guys. Katie Burt 33. Katie Burt 33 on Twitter. That is her uh, Twitter handle. Also want to make sure that we get uh, Anne Renee and her uh, Twitter handle out there. A Debian 30 on Twitter, and uh, we mentioned Brianna earlier. So uh, follow them. Uh, they're, they're great ambassadors for, uh, for women's hockey, but uh, great goaltenders to follow with incredibly uh, open stories about, uh, about their journey through the game. And, and I, I'm a big Katie fan uh, already, but after hearing that she doesn't use toe ties, uh, she's, she's rocketed uh, to the top because I haven't been using toe ties for a couple of years and I just haven't told anybody because I thought it was weird and you guys would make fun of me. And I just don't need that in my life right now. And, uh, and now I've got a team USA a goaltender. That's uh, that's part of the same, um, same thought process. Yeah. Probably a good call by you, Darren, cause I might've made fun of you, but, uh, I can't now I can't now. And I've, and I've been, it's funny because I've watched a couple of practices here. I've tried to get the video camera out for this piece on in goal premium talking about why she did it. And interestingly, she says she saw Shannon Sabados do it. And that's why she started. And I'm, I, I've sent a note to Shannon to try and find out, you know, like at what point did she try this and why? Um, but when you listen to Katie's explanation, Branch certainly looks at it a little sideways and, and they, they have some jokes back and forth about her. It makes a lot of sense. But, you know, like you're ripping on us for no dangler. How, how do you play like that? What's, well, is it that easy? With his toes too. Toes are dangling. The one worry that I have is uh, exposing the top of my foot to a shot. Uh, when when you kick out and you 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 extend your toe just naturally, whether a puck can get in between uh, the bottom of your pad and the top of your skate, that's the one worry, honestly, that I do have. The advantage uh, 
and how I get around that is I don't play with anybody really good. Uh, so, so, so that's the, uh, the one area, but you know, you know, the advantage to me is, uh, is VH, the reverse VH, and it makes me a better skater, uh, getting out uh, around our rims and just gives me more freedom, uh, with, with, with my feet. Uh, and, and it does, it makes me, a, a, I think it makes me a better skater. I may be totally out to lunch on this, but, uh, if your mind thinks it, then your body might play better. And that's, that's the way I went, so, went with it. So you have a bootstrap though? Uh, I have the uh, heel strap, the through, uh, through Lundquist Lundquist strap. Loop, Wow, right? you go yeah. through the heel. So that was the one thing that Katie talked about is she needs to have, she does do up her bootstrap a little tighter to make up for yeah. that lack of connection. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I can see that tension in the bootstrap when she's on the ice. Again, check out Ingold Premium for the article because you'll be able to see it on video and photos. Um, but that's interesting. You still managed to get away with it, not even having that tension down at the bottom of the of the boot with the... Again, I'm just playing around and uh, I'm not at a high level, but uh, it, I've, I've, I've thought about it for a while and I finally did it and it's been a, it's been a year well, now. And as far as the toe sticking out and getting wanting off the top of the toe cap, I got to be honest with you, I've had that happen using these new bungee straps where you just sort of extend mm-hmm. and it gets a little, you know, you sort of instinctively go and kick out a little bit and the puck's just below the bottom of the pad and there's enough of a gap there for it to get through and it hurts like a mother. So Mike Condon is the first guy that I saw where I went, Boy, there's a real gap yep. there between the pad and 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 the the foot, and that. Uh, but that still didn't stop. Well, me. and I'll be honest with you, when you look at how loose some of the toe ties are around the league, I mean, Kerry wears his pretty loose. Condon's a great example, exceptionally loose. How big a step is it from that to not having one at right. all? It's a, it, maybe this is the start of a new trend. So keep your eyes on Ingle Premium for that article with Katie Burt. Keep your eyes out for Darren Millard at a Vegas rink near you, um, <laughs> flying around with that Hatch great buying, skating though. with no uh, no toe ties. Yeah, you try and rim it around on me. Uh, there's no way you're getting uh, you're getting it by me. Hatch. I haven't I haven't tried it, but I was years ago removing straps from my pads, thinking that they were they you know they're dangling there doing absolutely nothing. So why don't you take them off? And uh, and remember reading in a few threads where people were talking about playing without toe ties, but I didn't have the courage for the same reason, worried about the top of my foot. Um, and and I, I still can't imagine how they snap back into place when you stand up, uh, which is why I asked they about do. the bootstrap. Honestly, yeah, no, I'm sure it, they it, do. But well, you know, you know what helps is um, and I use the E-Flex uh, and and the the inner leg channel is so locked in that that it really, there's no, there's no issue. Uh, and KD is also in an E-Flex 4. And, and again, I was, I mean, I was watching it pretty carefully. I was watching her move around the ice, recording a lot of it. And, you know, every time she transitioned down the pat, I was worried about rotation issues. I asked her about rotation issues. Um, the pad snapped down flat. The pad sort of sat back in the middle of her leg when she got back up. It was really fascinating. And this is, it was a pretty new set for her. I talked about looking mm-hmm. like a lot of the women here are still in older sets. This looked pretty crisp, pretty fresh, pretty brand new. And uh, no problems whatsoever. So it's not like it had just broken in that way. It sure looked like it moved the way we would want a pad to move if we had the toe tie on. So it was, it's been fascinating to watch it. It was fascinating to talk to her about it. And uh, obviously that's not part of the discussion we had with her here at Ingle Radio, the podcast today, but it'll be on Ingle Premium later this week. We always find a way to get into some kind of, uh, go down some rabbit hole of, uh, of goaltending equipment or, or, or style or technique. Uh, e- even on this, uh, this uh, three interview uh, episode of 55 of Ingle Radio, the podcast, Hutch, 
I want you to try it. Even if you just go out and, and do a couple of loops, I want you to try it just to, just to see how it feels, okay? I'll get my young victim here at home to try it for me. No, because if he gets hurt, then I'll feel bad. <laughs> but if you get hurt, I'm You'll fine. just laugh. He's, he's, also, he's also seeing shots that are considerably tougher than what we face in our, you old, believe our old man hockey. Uh, well done, guys. We've been uh, aiming to uh, do an episode uh, exactly like this for a while, and it all came together. And Woody, uh, we appreciate leaning on you uh, and the hard work that you put in uh, to gather these interviews with the, uh, the top players in the game of women's hockey and some uh, some real great goaltending stories. Nicely done. Yeah, well, sir. I think the best part is let's uh let's just, you know, we like I said, we cram them in because this is a great event and if you have a chance watch on Saturday from Anaheim, it'll be on the NHL network in the states and on TSN in Canada. Uh it really is exciting hockey and let's just make this the first of many. Next time we won't cram, we'll have more time for part 2 with Katie Burt, part 2 with Brian McLaughlin and other female goaltenders from around the world. And if we've learned anything, guys, you know, have some fun because they are at the top of their sport and they are, have uh, gone a lot further than, uh, than 99% of, uh, of the people listening to this uh, ever will in Olympic Games, in international competition and the audience that they played in front of. And they were still able to play with, uh, with some uh, humility to the game. Take it seriously, put it in your work, but also enjoy the ride.